experience, bitch. Prepare to experience Beige, the podcast where two longtime friends discuss all things science fiction and fantasy. Well, we made it. We made it to the uh, season finale of Star Trek Discovery. So the our entire podcast has been tracking the season three, and this was season three, episode 13. And normally... I turn it over to Hugo to give his thoughts in my attempt to not, uh, you know, dominate the speaking on the podcast. But uh, he told me he would like me to go first uh, so he can kind of hear what I had to say while he's still processing his thoughts. Yeah, it was so- quite a finale, Dave. I've been uh, mulling it over for a few days. and I want to hear your. I want to hear what you have to say about it as I'm, I'm still kind of trying to decide <laughs> are you trying to decide how much be- you're you're still undetermined about how much beige you, yes. you felt okay. there, there, there was beige but i'm not <laughs> sure how much to uh how much of it was beige worth uh paying attention to and how much of it i should just ignore so why don't you jump in okay well i would say um ultimately I've been viewing these last three episodes as a three-parter. I mean, I don't think that's anything unusual. It pretty much is a three-parter. So I've been kind of looking at them together and somewhat separate from the rest of the season, although obviously it's a, you know, there's plot lines that this is the culmination of throughout the season. And I would say it's definitely not as strong as part two. Um, we both felt that was arguably the best episode of the series uh if not up there you know and close to that um but i also did not find it quite as weak as the first part um so uh, less less beige than part one of this three-parter more beige than part two uh, i think ultimately the problem here is that <clears throat> you know you have two two storylines in this kind of finale here. You have all the stuff that's happening on Discovery, and you have all the stuff that's happening on the Dilithium planet. And the stuff on the Dilithium planet is just not that interesting. I think once, as we kind of chronicled on this podcast, once you figure out the mystery of it and like what's really going on, it doesn't really hold your attention that much, especially when the the away team is spending the episode figuring things out that the audience already pretty much knows. Yes, we know he caused the burn, and we assume it's because he was really upset about something, and that's probably that his mother died, because that's all we really know about the character. We know his outbursts uh, can cause this sort of damage, and it's like, well, what happened that would cause this? Well, we only know that he was left alone and his mother died, so oh, I bet that's it. And then we spend the whole episode, or at least that part of that episode, uh, watching and waiting for the, the away team to figure that out. And Ultimately, I on one hand I think it's kind of cool that the 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 mystery was that was not a big bad or a villain was behind the burn. Part of me thinks that's cool. 
and then the other part of me thinks it's a little disappointing that it was just this random guy who is you know had a ha- had a bad day uh, may, I, maybe I'm being unfair, but and that just caused all this torment through the galaxy. So, uh, so ultimately, the B, I, I experienced much more beige with that side of the plotline. The other side with the discovery stuff um, was more interesting. I, I, I think that was still better in the pre- previous episode. So this was just kind of the cleanup from all that. I mean, you have the 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 bridge crew team just basically suffocating very slowly for most most of the episodes so they don't really have a lot to do although you have kind of the heroic they managed to to finally do their part of the plan but I, I now I'm kind of getting into nitpicks but it's like um, so you have this lady who can breathe better than all of you and you you are under the assumption that you're all gonna die anyway why don't you just give her the mask to begin with like that's the only way your plan seems to be able to to survive so let's ha- let her do it since she's the the best person for the job but anyway and then uh, they give her the mask and then she just pauses there for like 10 yes, seconds it <laughs> was, yeah it's like get moving get moving <laughs> yes well and the other that kind of along those lines that uh that i thought was funny and this is kind of a i guess trope uh for you know shows like this but so they're dying they're basically on death's door they're all they're out of air and you know michael is going to rescue them but she doesn't just rescue them immediately she checks in with them first hey you guys dead over there like why don't you just save them what does checking in on them accomplish even if they're dead you're going to want to recover their bodies i just thought that was so ridiculous hey you alive yes we're barely alive oh in that case i'll i'll beam you to safety i just thought that was kind of funny um but anyway so this the stuff on discovery you know it's kind of the wrapping up um that that part uh, of the plot and I think, I mean, I th- I think it was kind of uh, exciting. I I thought it was cool that we saw the other side of a turbo lift, which I think I don't think has ever been shown from from what I can remember. Anyway, it did leave me questions of why is there so much empty space in the middle of a starship? Like it just seems there's a lot of just space that's like for the turbo lifts are moving around and like what is that all about they're they're surprisingly hollow on the ins- oh oh that that space is impossible given <laughs> i mean people were nitpicking this to death online but you know oh, they've, they? okay. they've shown cuz cuz we know the dimensions of the constitution class ship the, the mm-hmm. original enterprise and they've shown discovery next to the enterprise and there's i mean if that's how much internal space there is this sh- this ship would have to be the size of a Cyrus ship, right? Like it would have to be the size mm-hmm. of a huge, huge battleship to have that much space inside. It just there, there's no way that space that they show. I mean, that the space they showed inside fits at all with any proportions that they've ever established for any starship. <laughs> I think. I mean, ultimately, you could tell they're like, this is going to look cool. 
because they're going to have this fight. I mean, it was cool. They're having these this fight, and basically the the turbo lift is like a Wonka Vader, and it could just fly around to wherever it needs to go. Well, and that, and Dis- it, Discovery is the TARDIS, Dave. It's Doctor Who's uh, machine, you know, which is <laughs> this tiny little uh, phone booth on the outside and this huge base on the inside. <laughs> so, yeah, I think they were just like, it'll be cool if we have this fight, and they're also it's like they're, they could just fall out they're just like falling out of the turbo lift you think there would be some sort of like like measures that would keep people from doing that they're like a f- emergency force field would would be in place or something but who knows well speaking I mean, of that it also doesn't make sense from a design point i i mean i i think you know there have actually been schematics of, of other ships from star trek and i think it's always been shown that the 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 those the the, the um the elevators are you know, they're like tubes, basically, right? Like going. That's what I always imagined. It was like much like an elevator is like a single shaft that kind of goes up and down. This has like a lot of different shafts that it can. Uh, so instead of just going up and down, it's going up and down and, and through other planes. And and it, it doesn't make any sense because again, this is not a big starship, so mm-hmm. you don't have that space to waste, right? Like, they're, they're, why would you build a starship? And just have all this empty space. Why wouldn't you fill it up with more crew decks, more armor, you know, more engines, more? I mean, it's just it's it's completely pointless. One again, second, the ship is not big enough to require that much that many that much space to like move around in. Like, you're not going to that many different places in that many varieties. And there's also transporters if you need to get anywhere any fast. Um, it was just it was just really like you said. It was a this will look really cool without. Uh, all thinking through the logic of it. Um, also, I, I that's know, discovery in a nutshell, though. Yes, that 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 is that is. <laughs> we'll get into the whole season as a whole, maybe even the series as a whole. But that is discovery in a nutshell. It's like what is cool and emotional, and it doesn't matter if it makes sense or is logical or not. Um, yeah, yeah, just, yeah, uh, and and I think so. Ultimately, this episode could have been well. I'm kind of on nit, nitpick train really quick because uh, that's what we do best anyway. Um, the other thing that was kind of like this or is like, this is kind of cool, but I don't understand what's really going on with like the turbo lift. Why is there all this empty space here? Um, is when, and maybe I missed a line or something. I always assume something like that happened when I don't understand what's going on. But like, Michael is like pushed into some. Is that the data core? Why? Wait. Why is she being absorbed by the data core or whatever that was? That was weird to me. It's like she's getting pushed into this. Like, what is that? And what is happening? Why would it be accommodate an entire person? And then, like, then I guess we're supposed to assume she's dead. But I, I don't even understand what happened. And then she's still alive. And then she shoots through it and kills the villain. And Why like, does Osira was... assume she's dead? Why does it Osira shoot her? I, I did not understand that part. Yeah, they're like, oh, I'm going to push you in here. And this is going to be bad for you. It's like, I, I guess. I don't know what's happening. But sure. Osira was acting like she's the hero in like some action movie where you kill the villain in a cool way. Yeah. Rather than acting like the character she is, which is like an evil space warlord. And like, finish the job. Like, okay, that looked cool. Like, you did this weird thing where you shoved her into the core. But, but come on, that's <laughs> not enough. Like, yeah, and that just really highlights, you know, my ultimate disappointing disappointment with the episode is that Osira just went back to like total villain, mm-hmm. and it just ma- highlights how weird in retrospect 
the the previous episode was because it's like oh she's you know they're giving and granted it's a little late in the process getting giving her some layers here but then you're thinking well they did that they kept it a secret sort of because we want to be, otherwise we wouldn't have been so surprised by the turn if we would have seen that she's uh, you know, it would have, on one hand, would have been better because it would have built to it. But, uh, you know, I think they wanted to surprise us. Oh, she's really not the villain you thought she was. And then, yes, I guess she is. It's like a double reversal. And it's like it doesn't really work because she's double reversing back into, like, a one-dimensional character. And so that was ultimately disappointing. And it also involved another nitpick, which was how did the scientist who's, like, seems to think he's, like, her best friend not realize that she's evil he's like no yeah. you're better than this like really you didn't ever see this side of her i just find that hard to believe and well, she didn't seem shy about showing it to him so I this mean, has never come up before and it, it seems like he's their top scientist it's like do you, like everyone i mean it seemed like it was common knowledge you know vance made reference to the galaxy needing to see her tried for war crimes right so like it's not like some secret that like she enslaves planets and like exploits you know pre-war civilizations like it's, it, it it they i felt like they drew him way too naive mm -hmm. and i i don't really understand the the choice be i don't understand the choice behind that if you're not actually going to paint osira as more sympathetic than we thought she was right like mm -hmm. it, it's weird to have both those things to ha be like no yeah she's really as evil as you thought but then have the scientist not realize that i guess like i thought they were going to flesh out a lot more complexity on her part and yeah they didn't and so then the scientist the naive scientist bit didn't work uh also strange that michael just spaces all the um what you say? All the what are they called? The renegades or the? Uh, I that was my initial thought, but and the, the episode does not really explain this. I my head canon was that she actually beamed them onto the ship because they're onto surrounded. The ship that she then uh, exploded with the. Oh, war that's war. true. That's true. But <laughs> um, see that that, well, that that's fine. But what, what that's I, a little better though. That's a little I was, better. The nitpick I was getting at was that um, the computer thankfully knew to. Which people to take out, but did not take out the scientists. Did not. How did the computer somehow probe the morality <laughs> and like personal identities of? I mean, it, it's one. You know, it's, it'd be one thing if the computer had sent out just everyone who was not crew. Like, but like to somehow distinguish between like the bad bad guys and the not so bad scientists. <laughs> I just thought it was kind of funny how that was. I don't know. That's really it's... really nitpicking on my part. But I just I just kind of was like. Wait, how did he live? She just she told the computer. She didn't add any exceptions to the computer command. <laughs> yeah, you basically you would think the computer. Well, I guess the computer. Well, no, because it, it, the the sphere data isn't there anymore, so it doesn't have that intelligence, that AI aspect anymore. Because um, I was gonna say maybe the computer knew what she meant, but you would think the computer without any other information would say, oh, I'm going to flush anybody who isn't on the the roster, the Starfleet roster. Mm -hmm. That th Those must be the people who shouldn't be here, um, which would include the scientists. But um, yeah, I, I, it's, I mean, I didn't mind it too much because it just basically got like fast forwarded that part because otherwise they would i guess we didn't have to see it they could have just said we're gonna go deck by deck and take the ship back but it's just like i in a way i actually kind of like that because i um and i always have questions about those sorts of things like 
why you know obviously starfleet should be like teleporting people into space or onto a ship you're going to inevitably explode explode anyway but uh, i always wonder like why don't they just do things like that like why don't you just pe teleport them like to the brig or like why don't you know like she i, I kind of like that she was like let me give you these like high level powerful commands and i just totally took the ship back it's like it seems like that would be how you would do things more often than they do <laughs> in star trek yes um but it was kind of funny. It, it was kind of reminiscent of the first Iron Man. You remember there was that scene where it, there's all the, he's like, I forget, I haven't seen it in a long time, but there's like, he, he has all these people who are attacking him and he's like looking around and he can't tell who's bad or good. And then the, the, the suit like identifies basically if they're a, a good guy or a bad guy. And then he fires the rockets and it only kills the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of played as a, a joke sort of, cause it, it it's, Really, in real life, that wouldn't happen. And it's like, it's a comic book movie. The good guy only takes out the bad guys because that's part of his superpower, basically. Um, and, and you know what? That, 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 that's the problem with Discovery, right? It uses comic book logic consistently. And, and, you know, last week I said, you know, Wonder Woman 84 was fine. Like, it was a dumb action comic book movie. Like, I mean... If I was analyzing Wonder Woman the way I analyze Star Trek, it would I would have completely nitpicked it and hated it. But it's just you just go into something like that and you're like, okay, it's not gonna make sense. It's just gonna have dumb stuff, you know. And like like you mentioned, Iron Man, like the best. I think that's what I like about the Marvel movies is they're self-aware of how mm -hmm. dumb or cheesy some of the stuff they do is, and so like they present it in that way, and you're like, oh, okay, like that's that's fine. Um, Whereas I feel Discovery, I feel like it is not – I don't think it's ever been self-aware of how dumb some of the things are. <laughs> and I think that makes it worse. I think that makes it a lot worse. Yeah. Like, like, like I knew I was going to not be a big fan of this episode in the opening when you have all of Starfleet shooting on this 900-year-old oh. ship. Oh, super nitpick. Yeah, okay. I know exactly where – yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and it's like – First of all, like first of all, I I I have to say, like going in to this week from last week, I thought Osiris' plan was like, well, I still have the crew, so I'm gonna hold them as hostages and get out. Mm -hmm. But no, apparently, everyone just decides to, she decides to just book it without threatening that, and Starfleet's just like, that's cool, we'll just destroy the ship, which actually makes sense. Okay, it's got the tech they don't want to be lost, but. They actually like, like Vance actually said destroy it, and then you actually see what was it like a dozen ships firing on Discovery. Okay, it's been upgraded with modern tech, so fine. Let's get beyond the fact that. So it's let's say it's equal to all the other twelve let's, let's ships. It's equal to any one of those ships. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just I again, why why make the decision like it was. This will look cool. The whole ship's, the whole fleet's firing on it, without thinking through the fact that, yeah, if the, the whole entire fleet, fleet is firing, on if it. the whole fleet fired on this ship, it would destroy it. Like it, it just, very like pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. Yes, um, and they do show like it's being damaged. Like, uh, like you see the bridge, and I think that. You're, again, I mean, they need a Star Trek nerd on this show. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, don't don't they have? It seems like they have people. Well, they used to. There used to be people on like uh, Next Gen who are uh, the Akudas or something. Yeah, I think yeah. I want to say. And like he, I, I think it was a couple, but I, I, definitely there was a guy who was just like he did. He kind of made sure everything like followed 
uh, procedure, so to speak, and mm-hmm. you know followed the history that was laid down before it, and and I don't know that they have anybody like that. And it seems like they have maybe people like that to do that for Star Wars, although I guess fans would argue that they don't, um, you know. And there should be somebody on the writing staff or otherwise saying this doesn't make sense. Like you have to come up with a different idea. Or, you know, maybe she, and you're, you're making all this up. This is always my thing about like TV and movies. You're making everything up. You have complete power to change the dynamics and the situation of what's happening. Maybe, and, and maybe would have nitpicked those other things, but, you know, maybe she, while she was on board uh, uh, negotiating, she uploads a virus or something that lowers, that takes out all the weapons. You know, this, that's just off the top of my head. You know, and then you you might nitpick, well, why did, was she able to do that? That, to me, is still better than, like, you're firing on one ship that we'll say is equivalent of all your other uh, of all your individual ships, and there's like who knows twenty of these. I don't know. I didn't count twelve. Uh, that would be obliterated very quickly. My second note, I take notes. How was Discovery not destroyed by entire fleet? And that was just so blatant. And I don't know. Maybe other people don't worry about these things, but it it just can be. You can just solve it by making something else up, like. You know, I don't know, but well, and, just, and that's the thing. I mean, I know we. I think you're right. Nitpicking's our thing. That and and so let's. I, but I feel like this episode in particular suffered from all the nit. Like the nitpicks just piled up to the point where it was hard to enjoy what the episode was doing. Like I still, I still enjoyed it. I think, but looking back on it, it's just I just. All I remember are all the problems it had, right? Like, like yeah, it was fun, it was exciting, it was cool. But like thinking back on it, it's like, oh, but none of it made any sense. I mean, you had that battle, then you have the um, the Nevar fleet, right? The Vulcan Romulan fleet mm-hmm. show up, and, and I mean that was so predictable. For, but first off, you, you all just did that in the last season finale, right? Like we've done that, where like the allies you made throughout the season show up at the last minute. Secondly, they don't do anything that that's what i was gonna say it th- this whole episode just feels kind of rushed because you're like oh they're he- the the vulcans and romulans are here aren't weren't you expecting to see like michael's mother or something or the um i forget what her title is the uh president or leader of the planet like you see her very briefly at the end um but weren't you expecting like at least something like we're here to help or something? But nothing. We don't hear from them. They don't do anything. And and, 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 and it, it makes no sense, right? Like Michael's distress call. Why was she sending a distress call from the middle of Starfleet headquarters? Like it, it just it didn't make any sense because again, I guess maybe Michael knows that Starfleet ships can't sh- can't shoot <laughs> worth a darn, <laughs> like, damage anything. Uh, but in all seriousness, like. It was just weird to be issued a stress call when, like, literally, you are in Starfleet headquarters with this whole fleet. Like, I, I didn't understand why it was a distress call. I, it would have made sense. It's like, Mom, I'm probably gonna die. Like, I miss you. I love you. Like, yes, yeah. But, but they made it into a distress call, and then they followed through on it, and so that was dumb. And then they didn't do anything with it. But it was also weird because, like, again, like they don't abide by their own logic. The, the whole season, the whole burn is like everything's too far away. Everything's very slow. No one can get anywhere. And again, <laughs> somehow the Navarre, like, what did she send that message 20 minutes before they showed up? 
So, yeah, it so, seemed like that. I mean, <laughs> even if without the bird, like, and that's a quick time to, like, get a message to a non-member world, <laughs> have that member world gather a multi-ship fleet. <laughs> you know, there. It, it, if this, you know, obviously I was going to say if this was real life, but obviously not real life. If this was more accurate, they would be arguing about this for a week. We just saw how, like, at each other's throats the Vulcans and Romulans are. Yeah. And, like, they, they would be arguing about this, like, for a little bit before they just send out the entire fleet. And, and then and then they have the Nevar fleet chase Osiris' ship. And, and again, I was like, why are they chasing it? There's a Federation fleet that can <laughs> chase it. Um, and then they keep talking. They kept talking about Voyager, but they didn't really show it. It's like, why don't you just it's just like, a name drop? We don't just want to hear a name drop. Like, show us the ship again. Like that, we want to see it in action, doing stuff. I mean, apparently, again, it's got the weakest phasers in the galaxy. <laughs> but, um, and then just stuff like like beyond the stuff we've talked about, other just silly decisions too. Like we saw Osira um, disintegrate the. Um, the Andorian last week, uh-huh. and and obviously we've seen um, the phasers and disruptors can disintegrate people ever since the original series. So, and then in this episode, like for whatever reason, like like you know, speaking, of why didn't Osiris kill Michael? Why didn't why was why were those disruptors never set to disintegrate when they were hitting Michael or the bridge attacking the bridge? It was just very weird to me that like they all seem to like forget they have um, you know a kill setting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, that's a minor one, but it was just really very strange to me um, that they literally established it being used on the ship, right? Because you could be like, oh, they don't want to destroy the walls or breach the hole, even though, again, we've seen it happen on ships throughout the shows. But it was just weird that, again, it, make, it makes Osiris' decision to just shove Michael into a computer core even stranger when you're like, why didn't you just use a disruptor to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know... Weird, weird nitpick, but um, it, I, it it bothered me so much I had to look it up. So there was the brunette lady in the bridge crew. Oh, oh yeah, this that was totally weird. And I that was thought, totally weird. I thought it was Lieutenant Nilsson who had dyed her no, hair. Well, because she had the dark hair in the mirror universe. So at first glance, it's like wait, and then I had to do a double take. Like, no, why would she have dark hair now? She's not in the mirror universe. And I was like, no, they never explained that. And then I, and it was like, it doesn't look like her. I looked it up. Lieutenant Ina is her uh, name, this okay. character's name. Um, I was like, I don't remember anything being established. What is her role in the crew? So I went to Memory Alpha. I actually did research for this <laughs> podcast. You deserve a race. There is there. We don't. Her role is not described. <laughs> like it was literally like in a show that already ignores its bridge crew and doesn't develop them. They literally threw in a random new bridge crew member. And randomly, again, they've established Nilsson as the next in the chain of command because she always has the has the con when the senior staff's gone. Where did she go? I don't. It was just I don't <laughs> know. Dave. She was back at the end, and then I mean, she was back at the end. <laughs> I mean, the, the the real life explanation is probably that actress wasn't available for certain shooting schedules or something would be my guess because there's no other reason why you would do this uh and then that that sequence at the end was shot on a different day or something and she was available i mean that's my assumption but if that's the case then why not just not have that character like it's almost like well you know we don't really care about this set of characters anyway and we th- we just assume the audience won't notice that this is a different person this is what it came <laughs> off as like what <laughs> just don't have that character there just have the other characters why is that person there it's totally confusing and weird 
I mean, yeah, it'd, it'd be like if in Voyager, like, you, you have Harry Kim, and he's captured with the rest of the crew, and then all of a sudden it's, like, some random new actor, like, right? Like, for a few episodes, and it's never explained, and then the, <laughs> the, the, the finale comes, and then, like, Harry Kim's back. That would be like, hilarious. What just this, happened? That, that should be a Lower Decks, like, episode. Like, yeah. where there's just a character who seems like it's part of, like, a, the tight-knit Lower Decks <laughs> team, and then they, like, and then, like, two-thirds through the episode, someone just says, like, hey, who is this person? <laughs> that would be hilarious. So that, um, that was, that, I just thought it was hilarious in light of our complaints about the bridge crew that all of a sudden they throw in this new random character and don't explain it, don't develop her in any way. Well, especially um, because it's not, like, this is supposed to be, like, we're supposed to really care in this moment about this bridge crew because we we know they're not going to die but we're supposed to feel like they're going to die this is their last moments together they're working as a team and it's just like why just not why not just have the people we know in there if that's kind of the point of this uh segment like it was just weird throwing in this other character that's makes you like distracts from the the that aspect of like oh they're in really dire straits. You're just like, you shouldn't have to be like confused by this person. Like, is that supposed to be that character and it's just a different actress or is this just a new character that we've never seen before? It was weird. Uh, my other big nitpicks uh, were um, ejecting the warp core. They never really said why. Like, can I, I'm going to nitpick your nitpick. Ooh. Nitpick. Why? Okay. So we know ejecting a warp core is a thing because we've seen we know that's what uh, we know a, a starfleet ship is capable of doing that we've seen in other series that they need to do that for whatever reason you know depending on the episode but it's something it's like obviously you're not you're doing it when it's uh, an emergency it's going to breach or something you got to get rid of it what it was totally again this is not quite as bad as all the empty space and the thing when they were ejecting the warp core it's like knocking around like in the like tube like it's gonna like like it wasn't built for this it's like <laughs> yeah. that was really weird again this is probably the special effects people being like i'm gonna make it like knock around and like hit the walls and stuff that'll make it look cooler than just it like sleekly and smoothly falling out of the ship which is what it should be designed to look like because this is a procedure that should that might need to happen at some point in the life of the ship. It's and been it needs designed to smoothly for that purpose. Too. Like if you're at a point where you're ejecting the warp core, you don't want that thing bumping around and blowing up inside your that's ship. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like it was ridiculous. Again, that's why I call it a nitpick to your nitpick because it's it seems super minor and dumb. But like it just doesn't make any sense. It would be a procedure that would be like super safe and a smooth journey for this thing to leave because if you're ejecting it that probably means it's going to explode at any moment not like banging around like this was never like built for this purpose it was like really odd no you're right that. that 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 jarred me too that really i was I, I remember that now i was like what this is a weird uh special effect choice <laughs> to yes. make it bounce around um but they never justified or explained why they had to eject the warp core uh, like it just well, no. What they what they made it sound like, and again, 
I always give the show the benefit of the doubt that I made a mistake, but I never go back and try to figure it out because I just want to keep watching. Um, they made it seem like they had to eject the warp core in order to like get off the ship somehow. Like that was going to like I don't know blow a hole. I don't think they said right. blow a hole, but, but like but- it was part of the reason they needed to escape. But then they just they just uh, mushroom drived out of there. Like you didn't need to do that. It's like they the uh, they had established they need to do this, and then they didn't follow through, and then they did it anyway, and then it became like a weapon. And it's like, well, I guess if if you would have just said we need to do this to destroy the ship so it doesn't come after us or something, then I I mean, maybe but again, they had a fleet of ships. Yes, yeah, right out there too. Like it was just it, that that was weird. Like they didn't have to destroy it. Osira was dead. Like I mean, yeah, you want to you want to you want to get rid of it, but like. Because it's a threat, but like if you're gonna jump out of there, you don't have to like toss your warp core. Which I, I mean, I guess the ship can still move because I guess its spore drive is not drawing power from there. But um, just that was strange. And then uh, all right, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna save the book thing. Let me let me let, well no, let's submit it. Book it's suddenly like with no explanation, no build up at all from this episode or from the season. Book can now pilot the sport drive. Okay, I agree. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. But I, I'm, I'm, I will give the show a little, a little respect. Okay, yes, he shouldn't be able to pilot this through like the mushroom network he's never seen before. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Well, there's, there's that too, right? Even if he had the capacity. How, it, there's got to be some training, right? It's not. It's not. I mean, like, it's not like I can pinpoint us to anywhere in the universe. In now. the universe, right? Like, that's not. I mean, I don't know how you just do that without like having study. Like, at least with Stamets, you could say he studied this. He's gone through Starfleet Academy. He he knows all these things. You know, he's prepared for this. The research was geared, and the interface was tuned to him. It just, but like, they didn't build it up at all. And yes. and and they've also written themselves into a corner, right? Like. And if it's that easy, I mean, there better be more spore drive ships next season, and 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 they have to separate book and um, Stamets. Like, yeah, there's no that's way. That's true. If they're both on the same crew, then that's yeah, that's problematic in the sense that it. But I mean, you know they're going to really be. Make... You know oh, they're yeah, not even they going to address that. They will be. <laughs> in the same way that they kept letting their own the the only spore drive they have go on on these crazy missions, like it doesn't <laughs> make sense that they're going to. It's going to be that way. I will I will defend it slightly, in the sense that. You've always had this aspect of book that he's this like empath that um, has this connection with other living creatures. Again, I'm not saying that this perfectly makes sense, but that's always been an aspect of the character from the their very first episode, and I liked that they did something with it. Now. Again, I'm not saying it makes sense, but I like that they established something. So, in other words, maybe this is a low bar, but it would have been worse if it's like, oh, and he has this ability to communicate with living creatures, and that allows him to do it. Like, at least we've seen that, and we know that's part of his his species. Um, and, and we had that kind of moment where he's, um, gosh, what were they called? The... the the worms at yeah. the beginning, you know, where he has this connection, and then it, then it shows like it's part, like it's even part of their kind of biosphere where they're kind of communicating with the uh, I don't know, the shrimp flying shrimp things that were eating all their crops. So it's like it's part of who they are, and it's not just like um, oh, it's kind of a evolutionary 
like tick that they have. It's like, oh, it's actually part of how they live. So when the scientist says he he's able to communicate telepathically or empathically with species that are not his own, we've at least seen that's true. Um, again, it doesn't make it doesn't make sense that now all of a sudden he can pilot this <laughs> spore drive that was cr- crafted for one specific individual. But I I like that they did something with it because it's always been like, what's the point of this? Like, are you going to do something with this part of book? So I like that they that it paid off a little bit. But it's also strange that it paid off in making him duplicate what another character does right like yeah i was kind of i thought it was kind of neat they had a space druid and like that's kind of cool something we haven't seen in sci-fi and then the end of the arc is no actually he's just another pilot for the ship (laughs) like yeah yeah maybe they'll like i don't know that the show thinks these things out that much but like maybe that 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 uh, book's planet will be welcomed in the Federation, and then now there'll be like the pilots on each of the that would the be cool. Ships that would that make sense. Drive. Man, that would be a cool develop, right? Like that would build on this and make, and that would be logical and flow from this development, right? Like, oh, like we're gonna build more spore drives. We need pilots. Oh, let's go to book's planet, and like his people are gonna be the pilots for these ships. And it's yeah. kind of it's like in um like in Dune. Did you ever read Dune? Yeah, yeah. Where like they like the I think they're called Mentats or something. They're they're the ones who can like pilot stuff because they have the mental capacity to to do that. So they could you know so it's like this very specialized role that you kind of like Stamets was. But so now now every ship has one, and you can bring back that 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 species that we've seen that through book and through that episode and you can maybe do something interesting with that we can explore more about um their history and whatnot but i don't know that the show is going to do that i think the show is just going to have book and stamets on the same ship and it's not going to ever explain anything else about this or yeah but it could be cool if they wanted to do it the other problem i had was um you know you, you talked about the burn and the explanation and it just it was just not very satisfying but um Speaking of things they just don't explain, and I, 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 this really frustrated me. This really frustrated me. The, this kid is like over a hundred years old. Oh gosh, yes. And I, I totally weird. Shame on me. I gave the writers credit. I thought with the whole holodeck thing and everything, I thought they were either going to say the, the the child is actually the monster, like he's completely mutated and that's his real form, mm-hmm. or when the holodeck gets turned off. Like, we see him, and he's actually an old... You know, because the holodeck's changing everyone's appearances. Yeah. And, like, when the holodeck turns off, he's, like, this, like, really old Kelpian. But, no. The holodeck turns off, and, yeah, he's, like, this, like, I don't know, uh, 20-year-old Kelpian or whatever. You know, he's just... He's a clearly a very young man. And yeah. and I was, like... there Anything. All you need is two seconds. I was cryogenically frozen until you came here. Or, you know, anything. It was just so strange to me that... That they didn't explain it. it was, yeah. they, they didn't explain it at all. And it, it, it just... It, I know we've mocked this show, I mean, in this particular episode, to, but in other episodes and shows like Game of Thrones where, like, traveling across vast distances is, like, instantaneous and it doesn't make sense. But now we have a person who, who lives through over 100 years... And apparently doesn't age. <laughs> it's so... Uh, I mean, much like we were complaining... I mean, this isn't even specific to Star Trek. You need that Star Trek nerd there to explain like why Discovery wouldn't be destroyed by like 12 other you know, ships that are of approximate power. Um, 
it's somebody like who didn't like hold up their hand and say, wait a minute, we're, we're treating this person like a child, but this happened like a century ago and we're not explaining it at all. Like, can we do something about that? Uh, it's just weird to me. It also, they, this is slightly less important. They also didn't explain why their appearances changed. I like I was waiting for something with that, and I assumed I wasn't going to get it because they they would have explained it earlier. Like, why are we do? What is the point of this? I don't get it. Well, it, I think there was a throwaway line about how it was to make the child feel. Well, yes, I but, know that, but it's like but, I was waiting for them to get give me a better explanation because but but, that, but there because that explanation didn't make sense, right? Because why would Saru be changed? Like he's a yes, Kelpian. that like, was kind of our earlier discussion. So I was. I, I think I the explanation was they wanted Doug Jones uh, to have a break from makeup, the makeup chair. <laughs> yes, that, that's the only thing that makes sense. And I give the other. Sometimes it's fun to see other characters like, oh, look at now. I don't know what Adira was, but like, look at she's like a weird alien now. Like, isn't that well, fun? And then the thing with Gray. Actually, I'll save the thing with Gray for I think let let's let's finish up this episode because because Gray's part of one of my concerns about the season as a whole. Um, I, I thought the stuff with Gray was. Very odd and random for this episode. Um, I I think the whole gray thing. I don't really. So this is more Star Trek nerd stuff. So this is more like I don't think this is how trills work. So that's my whole thing. Um, is so he now I get it that they have a closer uh, connection than most like trill hosts do because it seems from what we've seen before that the hosts are kind of unrelated they're just you know which probably makes sense because that's probably problematic if you know it's like your best friend or your sibling or something uh they want to have the the trill symbiote has maybe the experiences of all sorts of different people and that makes it a stronger entity i don't know you can argue all sorts of things but in the past it seems like previous hosts don't have any connection to each other um or not strong connections anyway and this is a very strong connection you know they were like romantically involved and the gray host died very young it's like so it's like kind of a traumatic death um so i get all the the reasons why this would like gray as a host would be treated differently but he he he's still like memories he's still like and granted he's the most recent host but it just goes against what i assume have always assumed how tr the trill thing works where it's like it's memories of previous hosts that are that live on in the symbiote and can be like accessed um and is is part of this continues on as part of the symbiote and but it's it's not like this separate complete whole living person that's like trapped inside the symbiote that doesn't that's never to me been how it's worked so it's just like this seems weird to me like this is not how this tr trill thing is supposed to work yeah and it just <sighs> Like the person, yeah. the, the memory should not be feeling like I am trapped and I'm a unique, separate person. You are the memories living on in the symbiote. Like that's what that's how that's that's what you are. Well, and let's yeah, let so let's wrap up this episode because I have I have some thoughts on that arc for the season. Um, anything else you want I want to say about this episode, Dave? Um, I think we should we should review the season as a whole, and I I want to start with Gray and um. We and got Adira. through a lot of my nitpicks. Yeah, we did a good job. <laughs> 
Uh, let's see if I have anything else here. Da -da -da. I uh, I kind of I like that um, that Stamets is still mad at Michael. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that they didn't just sweep that under the rug. Um, I, so you have the well. I guess this is getting into next. What do we, so I guess that's the end of the. Most of my other things are just like where is this going next mm -hmm. season sort of stuff. So. Um, all right, so go ahead. What did you want to say? All right, so let, let's talk about the season as a whole. Um, I, I will say I think it was the strongest season of Discovery so far. Um, the first half was, you know, I think we, we both agree it was really strong. And the second half got a lot bumpier. Mm -hmm. um, I guess I'll kick off by saying, for all my problems with the, the season finale, it did not, it did not do what the Picard season finale did which was retroactively make me dislike the entire season <laughs> <laughs> um so there's that like i enjoyed the episode i have a lot of problems with it um it it's actually probably a bad finale in hindsight but it didn't like make me like not like the season uh, retroactively I, I think overall the, the the weird thing about the season you know we've talked about weird choices they made like spending two episodes in the mirror universe and stuff like that but i think to me one of the stranger choices is the arcs or or lack of arcs some characters had um and i let's start with gray and adira that <sighs> First of all, I feel like Adira suffered from this show has a stunning, almost almost like it's almost intentional how 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 extreme it is in how committed this show is to a lack of specificity mm -hmm. among its crew. Like the bridge crew, we've <laughs> kind of figured out the rules, but again, as I was talking about, um, uh, what was her name, Ina, <laughs> Lieutenant Ina. What's her role? What does she do? We don't know. Um, I thought th I kept wondering that about um, Adira the whole season. Mm -hmm. When are they going to show what uh, what Adira like? Adira was a Tal, a, a Tal, the Sisymbiote was an admiral before. Mm -hmm. But but I think they've established you don't just get the you know the rank. Otherwise, every symbiote would always just always <laughs> be a high ranking admiral. Um, but they never established anything for Adira, like a formal role for Adira on the ship. And then the the skills they gave Adira were the same skills other characters had, right? Mm -hmm. Like, th that was weird too. So, like, they didn't... The show didn't... Neither defined Adira's role within Starfleet, nor defined a role for Adira that was unique or different or complemented the rest of the crew. Um, so I, I thought that was very strange. They kept Adira on, but they... They, like again, commission her as an ensign, right? Like, just say that. Like, mm -hmm. just say that. Um, it's it's just again weird. Kind of we joked about how like books always hanging on the bridge, like, and just popping into like <laughs> the most highly classified, um, you know, spore drive room in all the Federation. He just pops in, throws devices on things. <laughs> um, it's actually true of Adira too. Like, how is Adira just there? Like, like the spore drive. I mean, it is the most important technology. Like. No exaggeration. It's the most important tech in the galaxy, and and yet people just come in and do things and work on it without any formal Starfleet role. <laughs> um, and I just wish they had done that. Like I was very glad. It it made me unusually glad to see Adira in a Starfleet uniform um, at the end of the episode. Because... I, I I like that. And then at the same time, I'm thinking because it's hard. It, 
I had to think back and like, when did Adira come on the ship? It's like, oh yeah, she came from like Earth. Like I get that her past, her past life was a Starfleet admiral, but like she wasn't in Starfleet. She didn't come from like Starfleet oh, as it was in the future. Right? Yeah. Right. So it's like she's technically not in Starfleet. Like I like that she's just like. Well, she she goes by they now. Remember she. she uh, oh, they yes. They, I like yeah, that they. that they are now just part of the crew because let's just make it simple. Like I don't really want to see a bunch. You know, like, uh, like let's just make everybody. Uh, Book was not part of the crew though. If you notice, he didn't have the the, the uniform on. Um, oh right. <laughs> he just had his own thing going on. So, so I like that they they kind of just sped it along. But I had to think back to when. It, it, Adira first comes on the ship. Yeah, they, like, they came on in Earth. And and actually, yeah. thinking back to the Earth thing, that didn't make sense either because I think they're supposed to be like 16 years old, and yet Earth was using them as like a security official <laughs> to like board ships. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that would the whole character arc has been a little strange. But. So 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 yeah, so there was that, and then like it seemed like the arc then became, oh Adira, they're gonna be like. Um, Stamets and Colbert's like you know child uh, or like you know surrogate child or whatever like okay I mean that's kind of interesting um, kind of weird for the show to like like I feel like the way the show treats LGBTQ uh, characters is like <laughs> it wants to be applauded for what it's doing but then it makes weird decisions like this like to lump them all together right like mm. it who, who 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 adopts Adira? Like the two gay men on the ship. Like it's just let's just lump all the LGBTQ characters together, and it's and it's done other stuff like that too in regards to these characters that I'm just kind of like. Uh, well, first of all, like how it killed Culber. Like, uh, and there's a whole trope in in TV and fiction writing of barrier gays, where like the gay characters were in love always. You know, one always has to die, and they did that, and that got a lot of outrage. Um, but then like they bring in Gray. As an ongoing character, and and I thought it was kind of neat at first, as a like, oh, like Adira is like coping, you know, it's it's a human, not a not a trill, like being joined, and and this is how they cope with it, like by manifesting one of the. Yeah, I thought that was my assumption as well. That and then and then this episode was like, no, Gray's like a distinct being that we're and gonna just, have to like get out of there. Is like what it seemed like. Like yeah. I don't think that's how it's supposed to work. <laughs> like, wouldn't that be like harmful? To the, and they the didn't. Or something? And it was just. It was just a strange. It was like, well, if this is where it was going, why didn't you develop that further this season? <laughs> I just, I just thought the arc there, like the, I don't know. I, I feel like that was that. That to me was an example of how the season wanted to like do things and yet not really think them through. I, I thought it was just a very strange arc that they had a deer go on. Uh, I like the character of Adira. I, I I thought the tack they were going to take was Wesley Crusher, but less annoying. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and they kind of did, but again, without ever defining a, their role or place on the ship. Um, and then by focusing on Gray and then on Samus' relationship with them, like it was, I feel like it just muddled. And I I, I guess I wasn't clear at the end of the season what what the arc of a deer was supposed to be um, mm. because they didn't really go anywhere so th- that was one uh let's just jump into the big one well i just on uh, oh, on the Adira thing i like like you said with wesley crusher yeah i i think that would have been fun if we would have seen adira kind of lean into that more where we could see like the precocious 
ensign, you know, where because when we see a deer at the beginning, because they have all this past life experience, you know, a deer is very much like, I already know how to do all this stuff. So I maybe that maybe if they leaned too far into that, that would have been too one-dimensional or something but we could have seen more of that like let's don't be afraid of like showing us that you know us leaning into a certain aspect of a character at least at first i think they could have had more fun with that like mm -hmm. where but then they then they go off on all these other tangents and it's like i don't feel like i know this character yet and you're already like dragging them through all these other experiences and because there's all these other characters on the ship that you know we can argue aren't well developed enough either but anyway yeah yeah another thing that they didn't develop well at all and we've mentioned this before is is the universe i mean we've talked about sort of the the the, the way travel works how they always undermine what they've established that it's really slow it takes forever to get anywhere and then whenever they want to it just people get wherever they want really quick but i, I felt beyond that the emerald chain they set them up to be this sort of very menacing empire and villain mm -hmm. and then it seems like they're I mean, they're not done, but like they killed Osira, and um, the end of the episode seemed to imply that like the universe is you know safer now. Um, I just thought it was a big a missed opportunity to just kill Odea, Osira and wipe out her capital ship like that. When I mean, tell me, Dave, what other big powers exist in the 31st century? Do you know? So I was thinking where. Well, I guess this is kind of like where does this next season go? Um, so I was thinking next season would be fun maybe to have Discovery going to other uh, former Federation planets and trying to like kind of give them giving them the uh, gift of the dilithium or the spore drive or whatever and trying to rebuild the Federation and we get to you know we saw some of the former members uh, but we'll kind of see them all see like what are the klingons up to now you know they're not a former member as far as i know but like other races ferengi like i don't know as a star trek nerd i want to see all these like famous races um and maybe there will be kind of a coalition of other races who don't want to who are are using this opportunity to unite apart from the federation and then you could maybe do something like that um because that's always to me has always been where star trek like the opposing the villains or the the opposing side is always most interesting is something like the dominion mm -hmm. um or the borg um where it's like this complete different society if you will now, granted, the Borg were just you know, like it's hard to think of them as a society and not like a plague or something. And they kind of take it over the top, you know, with like the the, the Dominion, where they're just you know at first it's like oh, there's this like anti-federation out there. It's like oh no, they're just kind of evil. Um, so maybe they could do that where it's like a a federation that has different ideals, and maybe it even has uh, former members of the federation, but they want to do things. A little differently and then you could really have like an antagonist that isn't just a black and white villain and it's like you know kind of like early how the dominion was where you, you know 
they kind of had the this system you know they always kind of were like oh you don't want to mess with them so i don't want to make it sound like we ever thought necessarily they were like the federation from another quadrant but um but it still was a little bit interesting when you didn't know anything about them and like oh they kind of ha- seem to have this coalition of different races that's interesting because it's always like the federation and then one like it's the Klingons or the Romulans. Like it's a, like it's just their this one race, one off like antagonist. I think it would be cool if you know it's kind of which kind of was the what the Emerald Chain was, but the Emerald Chain like ultimately just became it's led by this evil lady instead of like oh well let's see how they're surviving and like what what do the these other planets like what does that really look like and like are there planets who um, aren't as subjugated and they're kind of part of the ruling class or something. Um, anyway, I don't know what they're going to do, but hopefully they can come up with some antagonists next season that are a little bit more interesting and not just like capital V villains. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so too, because I feel like they, to the extent they define an antagonist, a galactic antagonist, they kind of undercut it by the end. And we don't really have a sense of the rest of the galaxy. Um, or, or again, I mentioned this before. Or really, we haven't seen any starships really. Like mm-hmm. it's, it, which is also weird for Star Trek. Like they've shown some Federation ships at headquarters, um, and we saw like the Navar ships from afar. But it's, it's very strange to me how we haven't seen close-ups of really any ships except for Discovery and uh, Osiris ship. Um, you know what would have been a neat take um, on, on on an antagonist that, like you were saying, that would be interesting. It, but they they went to Earth right away uh, mm-hmm. and to Navarre. Yeah. But it would have been neat if they found this Federation, the Federation, as a sort of like you know bubble outpost in the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere. And and they're like, oh, what happened? Oh, like we split off. Like you know, no one's a part. You know, it's just us now. And then like eventually they find like, oh no, like. Here's another group of people that think they're still the yeah, Federation, like Splinter but, but, Federation. But yeah. they've diverged in their values. Like these two federations have different values now, and like they both think they're the real ones. How do you resolve that? That, that would have been, been cool. Yeah, that would have been a cool way to examine, you know, what what makes the Federation the Federation and and stuff like that. Yeah, so uh, I kind of would like to see something along those lines. I mean, it might be too late to do. Well, I guess they could still because we've only seen them visit some of the 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 former planets that yeah, former. Um, uh, members, so they could still maybe do something like that. I, I hope they do something like that. So, what'd you think of Michael's promotion? Okay, so <sighs> our F, my first reaction was kind of like, I don't like this because it seems to be rewarding a character who constantly is going against like the chain of command, and even like. The admiral was like, you know what? You did stuff when I told you not to do stuff, but it worked out, so now you're a captain. Like, uh, I don't think that's how that's supposed to work. Uh-huh. Uh, so, like, in-universe, it, it feels like... Well, then I... But then I'm also like, who else? If you're going to promote someone from the ship, who's going to do it? Because nobody else seems nearly as qualified as Michael. But the kind of out-of-universe thing that I like about it is... Michael's the main character, always has been, always apparently will be. I know part of the pitch of the show was, we're going to show you 
the the point of view of a of a main character who isn't a captain because we, it always seems to be like there's a focus on on the captain but this is gonna be a non-captain character we're gonna follow this person it's like okay that's maybe interesting but I, so from that point of view, I kind of like that she's a captain because now it feels earned that she's the main character because that's what we're used to. And maybe I'm just stodgy instead of my Star Trek ways. But like now at least it will feel like she should be the main character because she's the captain and the captain should be making these major decisions and pointing the crew in the direction that they want to that that she wants them to go that I feel like, okay, I think this will make me less annoyed when the show just constantly focuses on Michael. So that's kind of where I came out with it. Yeah. I mean, I think that makes (laughs) sense. I I guess I was just disappointed that, and I mean, I know the series has been building towards Michael becoming captain. I guess my biggest frustration is that it happened so quickly. Like Mm -hmm. by the end of season three, like this character, like, is already captain and it just it just it just seems very fast for a series that seemed to be building towards that as a big moment in in her development mm-hmm. um and i also feel like this season didn't establish or earn it at all like yeah. it wasn't that long season... ago that she was like i don't know if i even want to be in the federation yeah like that's where we started and i i thought this season would be about her sort of embracing and and acknowledging that she does love the federation and her role as a starfleet officer and sort of coming back to that and especially when she got demoted i was like okay like i mean we've been here but like this is this is what's going to push her to like really be like no i want to do this and that's going to be the arc and then all of a sudden they're like you know what you're going to be captain and it's like you've disobeyed every order but you're going to be captain it's like uh like if they wanted to have earned it i mean Part of being captain is people have to follow your orders, right? Mm-hmm. And so if they wanted to earn it, I think one of the things they should have set up is her learning mm-hmm. that sometimes she needs to follow orders, yeah. right? Because we've established her as a maverick. She's very smart. She's very cool, very capable. Like, But but part of being in command is knowing what it's like what it's, what it's like to follow as well, what it means for someone to follow you. And, and I feel like the show has never established or developed Michael as being seeing that and and this is a nitpick or anything so much as just a a frustration with with the the thematic development of of the series as a whole it's they've they've always made her a superstar and that's 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 fine i don't i'm not frustrated with that like some other people are but like um you know i am frustrated in the sense that we don't get to see other characters yeah that's the main problem for me i don't mind that michael's a badass i like michael as a character i think she's cool it's just more how much screen time she dominates uh, in a in star trek that is traditionally more of an ensemble show like, yeah that's that's my main thing so i just yeah that's it and yeah right like i i like her i'm glad i i was i'm rooting for her to be captain one day i just thought this season didn't i guess i'm disappointed like i felt there's a lot of interesting stories they could have told about her coming about her developing into the person who is ready to be captain mm-hmm. and i felt like this uh, this season, kind of like Discovery as a whole, just decided to not do the work and be like, wouldn't it be cool if she was captain? Let's do it. And and I okay. agree with all that, but at the same time, it's like, okay, she's captain. Now it makes sense to follow her point of view. And now, like, uh, Saru, to me, never 
I was always kind of on the fence about him as captain. Sometimes he seemed like he was good, and other times I was like, is the show trying to make me think he's not good at this? Um, and then you still have the whole problem with Tilly. Is she still first officer? And it's sad because, like, she's, she's not qualified to be first officer. But who else has been built up on the show in terms of, like, screen time that would make sense as a first officer? Yeah. So I guess she's still first officer, but I don't know. I don't know. It's a mess. <laughs> what do you think about Saru? Like, do you think that's, like, he's, like, within a couple of episodes of next season, he's back on the ship? Or we're not going to – the the security non – she left the ship. I thought she might be back in the finale or something. She's just gone. So She's it's gone, just like yeah. he's just gone now, or like what? What's what do you what do you think they're doing? Yeah, with well, that? you know, Saru. Like, I mean, they, I also feel like they did they did Saru wrong. Like this ending did Saru wrong. Like he he was he was the person we were seeing develop into a captain, yes, right? Like yes. he had the captaincy thrust upon him, and he was developing into the role, and he had his ups and downs. And I thought he was a great character to begin with. Um, I also I also realize you know it hit me when um when you had the bridge crew um when they were all passing out <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, running out of oxygen this show like i feel like in season one it did a great job of having alien species populate the screen mm-hmm. even if there weren't really besides Saru, there weren't really any main characters oh yeah and what he, happened to that big-headed guy and, and even this guy? season at the beginning remember we had the um the the lizard guy, right? Oh, Linus, yeah. <laughs> Linus, um, shown a couple times, and I and when the bridge crew was all like passing, I was like, oh, it's all humans. They um, ran out of budget. I, yeah, and I thought they were gonna have the Andorian guy join. Nope, he got disintegrated. Um, and then Saru leaves now, and so it's just, it, it's always strange to me. I mean, I know that historically it's because of budget and makeup issues and everything like shows like star wars like star wars it always bothers me in star wars too how you have this whole galaxy of all these interesting species and it's always humans <laughs> at least star um, wars in the background they're always pretty good about putting all these weird aliens and stuff yeah and star wars too like i don't think they've ever said it on screen but in the books it also establishes that the empire is kind of race uh like speciesists mm-hmm. and like prefers humans so like that's kind of an explanation why all the imperials are humans so there's that but in star trek i just I'm always disappointed when they just don't have aliens. Like, and, and and now you have Saru, not Captain anymore. And I mean, I think he'll stay on the show, but it's just, I don't know. I just wish next season had kept him in the captain's chair, and then and then we saw him becoming a captain, and then maybe getting promoted to another ship, and then Michael taking over and learning yeah. from him or learning from Starfleet. And I just, I guess I'm kind of bummed that at where he ended up because I, I felt like there was a lot more to do with him as a captain. Well, not only is he like an, a non-human character that you can learn about their culture and things like I, I honestly, I, I have that same critique on uh, a lot of Star Trek shows because oftentimes the non-human characters are the more interesting ones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Spock, you know, half human uh, Worf that he was kind of the gateway into all of the, the Klingon stuff, which I personally enjoyed and thought was cool. You, Quark was kind of similar gateway to all the Federa- uh, the Ferengi stuff. Um, 
you know, sometimes that doesn't work. Like Neelix, I don't think is anybody's favorite character, but um, you know, they're they're always pretty interesting because they, you know, they they can segue into this exploration of an alien culture, and you get to make everything up uh, unless there's already canon about it, and it's just kind of fun because you can. It's just an avenue to tell new stories, um, and so that's a bummer. We. I, Maybe he'll just be back on the ship, but then what role is he going to play? I don't know. It seems like maybe he's not going to be there next season, or at least not for a chunk of it. Um, we, we we just don't know. But not only are we losing a non-human character, but we're losing like one of the few characters that they've show managed to flesh out and give screen time to. And uh, are you going to let somebody else step up then, show? Maybe can I suggest Jet Reno, perhaps? Mm-hmm. Can we get Jet Reno can get all of... Uh, Saru's uh, screen time. I, then I might be a little, a, a little happier. But, <laughs> but yeah. you know, they have all these characters that they already don't do enough with, and then you get pr- pr- maybe get rid of one that they are better about, you know, developing. So yeah, it is yeah. a bummer. <clears throat> so uh, I did want to give a shout out. I don't remember his name. I didn't do research like you did. Um, where you looked up a character, the guy from the first episode came back, and he had a uniform and everything. So, oh I, yeah, that's right. So I like that. <laughs> I they like that. they did remember him. Yeah, <laughs> I like that he he wasn't forgotten. Um, and then we always like to compare things to video games. I thought the ending narration was like a, after you beat a video game, where it's like it checks in on all the communities that you've affected throughout your play of uh-huh. the game. <laughs> just that's just kind of grab that would have grabbed me as like you know you know this the season is the season a large part of the season struck me like that, that final episode that it's funny you say that this final episode in particular struck me as playing a video game right where like things just happen because they're cool action sequences and not necessarily because that's what would really happen if it was <laughs> if the mm-hmm. character directing well and it just felt like a large part of this last episode um was i i almost felt like it's like you're in a mass effect game and uh you know uh you're playing michael and you're just making the renegade choice uh-huh. <laughs> and then and then it magically works out because you have to get the ending right like you didn't die so like you, the plot has to progress so it's like congratulations mass effect captain you've been promoted <laughs> like, here's what's happened to all your crew and friends that you've met along the way <laughs> was this like the mass effect 3 ending <laughs> yeah right they need to they need to patch it and bring out a, a fix to it later <laughs> uh, well ah, so well what what so i think we should do beige scores for the episode and then for the season as well so okay. what what so episode first and then season what are what are your beige scores man the episode like i said i enjoyed it at the time but i just thinking back on it it it's four or five beige it mm. was so I think you gave the two episodes ago a four. If I, I might be wrong, maybe you gave it a five. I don't. I don't remember. I don't keep score. <laughs> so would you? Yeah. I guess would you say it's about equal, better or worse? We both agree that it's it's worse than the the preceding episode. But the first part of this three part, do you think it was worse, better, or about the same? I think it was a little worse because it was the end, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think I think that's where I'm coming down on it. I think if it wasn't the season finale, I wouldn't be as harsh on it. But just having all these frustrating logic gaps and then resolving things the way they did, um, and leaving things unresolved, I just it just frustrated me more. I, I experienced more beige because of that, more pain. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, because of that, than than I otherwise would have. Like, 
Like if this had been like in the middle of the season, I probably would be like three beige, you know? Like, yeah. But I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with four. I, four. I think it's okay. Just, yeah. I was leaning towards three, but I, we, we've talked me myself out of it um, through our nitpicks and whatnot. <laughs> so I think I'm, <laughs> I'm at a more of a four. Kind of how you said, there's no more episodes to kind of rescue anything at this point, mm-hmm. um, and just. Uh, whereas the first part, per, first parter was coming off of the mirror uh, universe episodes, so it kind of had nowhere to go but up. This is coming from what we felt was our favorite episode of the season, yeah, and just yeah. was a disappointment in comparison. So. Right, that's 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 part of it too, I think. Yeah. All How right, about so, the season, Dave? What did you think? Okay, well, I agree. So this is a little trickier because I do think this is the best season so far, but that's somewhat of a low bar. Um, it was pretty uneven. I think I think up until the Mirror Universe episodes, it was pretty solid and, and pretty strong. And then you had the two Mirror Universes and two of these three final episodes were all subpar. So that's... Uh, I don't know a third of the season that we're all that we're thinking is pretty beachful. So, but then you know I don't want to give it too low because I do think this is an improvement for the show overall, and it sets up if they follow through with you know now that I think being in the future and kind of disentangling itself from uh, the storylines and canon to an extent, I still want them to follow pre-established canon um has done the show well um and i think that should continue next season now that they've kind of established what the status quo for this era is um so i think the future can be bright if they continue to build on this um i guess i'll give it two beige and that's wow okay but that's reflecting on the fact that in comparison to other seasons hmm. so it's it's on a curve basically <laughs> so i'm being generous because i'm i'm grading on a curve so what what is what is your beige uh i you know the first half was on track to be two beige for me maybe even better than that but um it's three beige for me three, i just yeah. feel like the last few episodes um brought it brought it down a little bit i i think you know it a lot better than the second season um i have to say thinking back to the first season um there were some big missteps, but like there's also some cool moments I remember from the first season. And I, I guess that's one of the things I'll say. Like sometimes I think like when I go back and watch stuff, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I would definitely watch last week's episode again. Mm-hmm. I would probably watch a few of the uh, first few episodes of the season again. Um, but I, the second half of the season, I wouldn't go back and watch it. Um, yeah. Season two, I have no interest in going back and watch season two. But I'd go back and watch season one again, you know. After like maybe maybe after next season's done, like go back and see where it started. Like, uh, so I'm just thinking aloud here. Like, season one, this was better than season one, but I, I'm 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 kind of realizing season one wasn't like bad. It was just well, not, it, my problems with season one it was it was you start off with this Klingon thing, and it's and then it's all mirror. So it way too much mirror universe. Like you cannot. It's hard to rescue from yourself from that so it has all this mirror universe stuff and then it comes back 
to the Klingon stuff, and then they just hand wave away the Klingon stuff. It was like super disjointed season. That was, and that was the biggest problem was how it, yeah, how they just hand wave it at the end. Um, I, I think that's that that's one of the that's one of those seasons where like the end makes you look down on the rest of the season. Like <laughs> <laughs> they needed really a, like a two hour finale for that that season one or, or another episode or something. Um, anyways, so this season I, I, I enjoyed most of it. I had problems. I had nitpicks. Um, uh, it was a frustrating end, um, but the, the setup hopefully for next season lets them just embrace um, some good Star Trek themes of going out and boldly going and exploring the, the galaxy and helping people. And um, I like the new uniforms. I think they're pretty snazzy. Uh, glad they finally addressed that nitpick. Why does Discovery get to wear their <laughs> 900-year-old uniforms? <laughs> yeah, especially when they took the time to upgrade everything else. You couldn't yeah. like, fit them for some uniforms. Um, <laughs> right. I, yeah, I, so, okay, maybe I'll do two and a half. You talked me down a little bit. Um, two and a half Bs for the season. I do like, and sometimes seasons are impacted by, you know, seasons to come. Um, like if this helped establish, I, I guess I just like it because I feel like it wasn't a hundred percent successful in reestablishing itself as a show, but I feel like they took a little bit of a risk in, in kind of resetting things. And I think it worked more than it didn't. And I think the show needed to do that. And it makes me look forward to what they continue to do with it, especially if they kind of clean up some of the stuff that doesn't come across as totally Star Trek. But I don't, you know, it's it might always be that way. This is the new Trek. I try to remind myself things can't always be how you want them to be or how you remember previous versions being. Um, this is someone else's version of it. Um, but I like that it's seeming to open up the door to like, now you're, now it's more of a Star Trek show. Now you've kind of rescued the Federation a little bit. It seems like, uh, Discovery is going to be the point ship of going to different planets, helping them out, bringing them the dilithium they need, maybe trying to recruit former member planets back into the Federation. To me, it seems to be going more towards the like, mission of a week sort of thing, which I know in this day and age, not everybody wants, but I like that. And I think that's what Star Trek is. Not that you can't have overarching plots and, you know, big uh, season long arcs and stuff like that. But I like that they might be getting a little bit more back into that. And that actually leads me to a question. I, I, I know we're kind of coming to the end, but, when I'm thinking about the future of Discovery, it makes me think of more the future of Star Trek, which we kind of had a conversation with Star Wars. There's all these Star Wars shows on the horizon, or at least at some point in the future. Not quite to that extreme with Star Trek. You have Lower Decks, which we both enjoyed. And, we, you know, it's kind of very much its own thing, more humor, obviously, involved. Um, but you have Strange New Worlds, at some point coming up. Mm -hmm. And that seems like it's trying to be more classic Star Trek, not just in terms of wh when it's set, but 
you know, just by the title, I'm assuming Strange New Worlds, this, that's, you know, echoing the mission of the Enterprise of like, we're explorers, and yeah. we're trying to find these Strange New Worlds, which means maybe like each episode is like a new mystery or something to a riddle to be solved or something, which I kind of like about Star Trek, or at least how Star Trek used to be. And uh, is that kind of your hopes for that show? And like, what do you what do you expect from that show? Yeah, I hope that's more classic Trek. Um, I hope they just lean into the exploration aspect and and just give us. And I, I hope too. You know what? I hope like this is weird because I like I like really big overarching arcs and and season plots and everything. But I hope Strange New Worlds is just episode of the week, right? Like just 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 give us a, a short season of classic Trek. You know, just every episode is kind of like its own standalone thing, and they're just going around solving problems and going on missions. And yeah, and that'll be a nice little, you know. Nice little show to have um, to harken back to classic Trek, and then Discovery can do its own thing, and everyone can be happy. And then Lower Decks can remind us uh, how cool the Next Generation era was. Yes, <laughs> and I like the uh, the cast that uh, from the extent that we saw them, Pike and Spock and Number One, like they all seemed you know well suited for their roles. So mm-hmm. you already kind of have a little higher expectations because you've seen the cast handle those roles so yeah um so yeah i'm excited about it we'll, i don't know when that's coming or anything but anyway seems like there's you know bright horizon for star trek maybe not to the <laughs> extreme of uh star wars with all its content coming but we'll be here to chronicle star trek and star wars as it continues into the future that's uh, right but for right now we're at a little bit of a gap um so for next episode, what we were thinking of doing is inviting a mutual friend. So that'll for the first time we're ha- we'll have a special guest, and we're going to do a Star Trek crew draft. So that's basically, I don't know if anybody listening likes to do fantasy football. That's what it makes me think of, um, where you can we'll kind of round robin or like do a snake draft for the people who know what that is. Um, we'll, we're all going to draft individual Star Trek crew members from the different shows. Uh, and we're, you're trying to outfit the best crew for your ship. Every, you know, you can obviously only draft one character once and then the next person gets to pick. And I, I don't know how we'll judge who the best crew is. Maybe we'll get a fourth person involved to, to be the, the judge. Um, but so we're looking forward to that. That'll be fun and give give us time to reminisce about previous treks and and their crews. Um, so that's something we'll do next episode. And then after that, we might be taking a bit of a break. Um, if anybody has suggestions for future shows you'd like to hear us uh, comment on, let us know. Um, you can go to monoopti.com. There's like a um, there's a form there for contact a contact form and then if you're listening through or can link if the whatever you're listening through i think maybe links back to the anchor dot fm page but that has some sort of way that you can leave a voice message or something nobody's ever done that but anyway there's ways you can contact us if you're willing to put in a little work to do so, I guess. Um, Easiest being monoopti.com has a contact form. Um, Because we're big fans of Star Trek and Star Wars, so those are obvious ones. Uh, 
there's other things that we like that you know we might not have as much familiarity with um there's obviously also the problem if things get dumped all at once that's a little bit harder to talk about on a weekly show but we're 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 having fun with this and we're glad that you're listening so um we want to continue it into the future but you know, right now we're at a bit of a crossroads. So uh, thank you for coming along on this journey with us. Like I said, we'll be back next week with our our kind of fantasy draft of Star Trek Cruise. And uh, keep on listening. Thank you. Of all the starships, in all the galaxies, in all the universes, I had to choose this one.